right. Let's see what joy awaits us today. What wisdom we can integrate and inculcate in our daily lives. <clears throat> We're with the levitating saint with Bhaduri Mahashaya. And we've just, you know, just started this little episode. Yogananda talks about how his home, his little ashram, is very close to Yogananda's own home, that he would walk there often. And even though the saint stayed at home the entire time, never stepped out of his little hermitage, he also didn't particularly allow people to visit him. But he said, let Mukunda come when he wills. And so they develop a very deep, very sweet relationship where Yogananda is able to go to him. Again, it's interesting, It's he's not yet, or he's not definitely taken Bhaduri Mahashaya as his guru, but he's using this opportunity to deepen his own receptivity to the more subtle teachings of God-realization. Now, Yogananda says to him, Maharishi, you are the first yogi I have known who always stays indoors. God plants his saints sometimes in unexpected soil, lest we think we may reduce him to a rule. Such a beautiful, such a witty answer. Our idea or concept, not just of saints, really of life itself. Here, of course, we're using the, the, the uh, example of the saint. Yogananda says, you know, you're the first saint that I know who's doing this one particular thing. In this case, it is to stay indoors all the time. And we create our little preconceived notions about saints, about life, about problems, about circumstances, about relationships, about expectations. You know, we just, we just have our own idea about what we think should be happening, ought to be happening. And uh, this beautiful line here, while relating specifically to Yogananda's query, which is God plants his saints in unexpected soil, lest we think we may reduce him to a rule. We've created all these rules around God. This is how he looks. This is how he acts. God is Shiva. God is Vishnu. God is Brahman. God, you know, only comes in this particular way. God only comes at this particular time. If you meditate, he will come. If you don't meditate, we've got all these rules and regulations that we force God to fit into. Uh, it is said that man is made in God's image, but in fact, oftentimes we try to make God in our own image. And not just him, but all his manifestations, what life is meant to be, what my relationships are meant to be. And it's important to realize and look especially for these different and clear and varied examples, the uniqueness of each individual expressing God's consciousness through him or her and realize that God is going to plant both an awareness, he's going to plant God realization, he's going to plant his saints in unexpected soil. You know, we have, okay, rice grows here and wheat grows here, but with his saints and with life itself, God doesn't always follow that pre-regulated, preconceived idea. And it just helps us both create a sense of humility in ourselves into saying, 
God can come in any form. God expresses in all forms and also an openness to receive him rather than closing ourselves to just one expression of his presence. I was thinking, in fact, <laughs> God is everywhere 24-7 hours around us. The problem is that we have that thin or thick veil around us that doesn't allow us to perceive him right here, right now. Sometimes he needs channels because he knows we have not developed that sensitivity to see him behind absolutely everything. And what Shurjo, what Shurjo was saying about God being manifested through every single person, really. But in addition, he finds and he manifests himself through different state of consciousness that we can achieve. Yogananda said that God can be experienced in meditation, can be manifested through eight aspects. That is, you can feel God through the experience of calmness, peace, joy, wisdom, light, sound, power and love. I love this concept that Yogananda brought because it helps us to approach, to experience, to feel God in the formless form because we are so used to put him in a box in a specific form but suddenly when we are given this opportunity, this chance to perceive him beyond form as a state of consciousness, as a feeling in the heart within ourselves, that creates even a more personal relationship because that interaction, that experience is not based of anything outside yourself so i thought this was a very you know good thing to keep in mind that yes god uses channels outwardly through form through saints through books through lectures and classes and book studies but don't underestimate the possibility uh, to perceive him even more strongly in your meditations through these eight aspects. The sage locked his vibrant body in the lotus posture. In his 70s, he displayed no unpleasing signs of age or sedentary life. Stalwart and straight, he was ideal in every respect. He always sat firmly upright, his quiet eyes fixed on omnipresence. Just to give us a, a feeling of this saint. And this is one little thing we'll see in everyone. They always sit upright, 
There's firmness in their posture. Their eyes are quietly fixed on the omnipresence. So if you think you want to at least begin to appreciate what it feels like to be a saint, just these two aspects already put us in vibrational resonance with that state of consciousness. Then the two of them go into meditation. Uh, Badri Mahashaya and Mukunda. After an hour, so they've been meditating for an hour, a gentle voice roused me. You go often into the silence, but have you developed Anubhav? Such an important question, isn't it? Mm -hmm. He was reminding me to love God more than meditation. Do not mistake the technique for the goal. This teaching alone probably can unlock, you know, every secret, especially for those of us who are meditators, who are very serious on the spiritual path. Do not mistake the technique for the goal. Don't think because I have the technique, that means it's done. And especially us who practice Kriya Yoga, there is this tendency to kind of think that when I have Kriya Yoga, when I receive Kriya Yoga initiation, you know, done. Now that I have the technique, because that's what's important. The technique is useless, just as a hammer is useless sitting there until you pick it up and bang it on the nail. But here's the important thing. You often go into silence, which means even on a superficial level, you often close your eyes, you often sit up straight, you're often quiet. But have you developed Anubhav? And Anubhav means the experience of God. Are you deepening and actually feeling what Narayani already has introduced us to these eight aspects? Are you contacting any of these eight aspects? Or are, are you only able to sit and be quiet? Because those are two different states of being. It's a wonderful start to be first just sitting and be still and be quiet. But are you experiencing God or are you just going through your techniques mechanically and thinking that by technique alone, somehow some magic will happen within you and you know all your karma will be fixed and all that energy will be uplifted? You have to call out to God. Here he says, he was reminding me the love for God was more important than meditation. So don't think that meditation is the key. It is the love that meditation is meant to develop within us that is the key. And if your love for God is not increasing through meditation, if meditation is just another thing you do like eating food, like going to the movies, if that's just another aspect of your daily life, then, you know, it will benefit you. It will benefit you outwardly, no doubt. It will give you the calmness, the peace, the clarity, the joy that you're seeking, but it will not give you God. And that's an important thing to remember. Do not mistake the technique for the goal. When I came to the spiritual path at the very beginning, I was fascinated with Kriya Yoga and the techniques and the Om technique, and I wanted all of them right now, and I was desperate for it. But eventually, when I started to study more and more Yogananda's teachings and secrets for for having successful meditations. I saw that Yogananda gave so much more emphasis 
the last part of your meditation after you have put it you have put aside all your techniques then is when that real meditation begins so the techniques are really a tool a bridge that will take you to that experience it took me a few years to understand that process and realize that the more uh, I focus on that period of silence where there are not techniques between me and God, when those two God, you know, the divine and myself become blending ever more perfectly, that's true meditation. Yogananda said, we have to learn how to make love with God. So that's the real essence that um, the levitating saint is talking about. Don't get caught up into the technique itself because it, it can remain you in a very restless and um, tensed state. It's only when we put everything aside, when we remove all those layers, when we remove all the techniques that yes, they have a purpose, but it's only when we are there in front of the divine without anything in between that we can completely experience that state of being, silence, perfect stillness, and then those eight manifestations or one of them or three of them at the same time can be given to you as God, you know, letting you know, I'm here with you. You don't need to look for anything else. So yes, do your techniques, but remember that the real honey <laughs> comes in that period, period of silence where no technique are involved. Let me also just give us a disclaimer, however, even though both of us are, you know, saying go beyond technique, but yeah, use course. technique of wisely. <laughs> Our path is very yeah, much technique oriented because the technique takes us there. But the point we're trying to make is know that the technique is just the vehicle that needs to also be let go of. So don't just get caught up in it, but use it wisely. Humorously then, Bhaduri Mahashaya says while uh, offering some mangoes to Yogananda, mango was Yogananda's most favorite fruit, people in general are more fond of Jala Yoga, which is union with food, than of Dhyana Yoga, which is union with God. I think all of us can relate to that. <laughs> should I eat food or should I meditate? <laughs> Let's eat. <laughs> Then Yogananda looks over to a pile of letters in the corner and uh, Badri Mahashaya says, those letters come from far off America. I correspond with a few societies there whose members are interested in yoga. So this, you know, this is the early 1900s and uh, Badri Mahashaya has already begun a correspondence with people interested in yoga in the United States. They are discovering India anew with a better sense of direction than Columbus. Love the humor. I am glad to help them. 
the knowledge of yoga is free to all who will receive like the ungarnishable daylight so that's another very important thing don't ever kind of assume that being especially here in india that we have some special right over these teachings of self realization this is absolutely for everyone just as god's love is for absolutely everyone whether they be of a different religion thought process creed race uh, gender don't ever 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 think for even a moment that somehow we're special or that this knowledge is more accessible more relatable to us what rishis perceived as essential for human salvation need not be diluted for the west alike in soul though diverse in outer experience neither west nor east will flourish if some form of disciplinary yoga is not practiced again just very impersonally seeing all souls as needing exactly the same thing you want to say something yeah I-, i would like to say about this sentence um will uh, will f- will not flourish if there is no some form of disciplinary yoga let's see this disciplinary form of yoga as the self effort that will always be needed in order to achieve any spiritual results and that discipline to me always means self effort but when you are doing something that you really love you are passionate about it you believe in it you know the results uh, you are going to have you know the goal you have seen uh, the results in other people who have been making this kind of effort for a few years it doesn't become really uh discipline anymore it becomes like almost such a joyful devoted time that you want and you and you choose to spend in order to transform yourself in fact be in the presence of a saint alone is not enough that's not how god works with us it some form of discipline will need to be there whether is yoga whether is kriya yoga whether is any technique whatever form of discipline will need to be involved we cannot cut corner cut corners in the spiritual path so it's not enough to read books to just sit in vaguely in silence to go for pilgrimage pilgrimages alone it's just for going to satsangs only or attending listening nice discourses whatever you you choose know that some form of technique and discipline 
uh, and we'll see this later on when Yogananda spends a few years in the hermitage <laughs> oh, of his guru. <laughs> I mean, that's going to freak out all of us, <laughs> what it takes. <laughs> we might have to close the study at <laughs> like, that point. Like, okay, I'll see you next week. <laughs> I also just want to touch on this again because you see in this um, chapter, Yogananda talks a little bit about it. In fact, Bahaduri Mahasha is talking about the West and the East. And he says, alike in soul, though diverse in outer experience. We, we really, it's very important for us to keep that identity to the soul and not so much to these outer experiences because in this lifetime we'll be Indian, in the next we'll be American, in the next we'll be Iranian, in another one we'll be in Pakistan, in another one, you know, just don't get so identified where you are and what your outer, what the skin color looks like, what your traditions are like, what your customs are like. Open your heart much more to that one eternal reality that is the soul and see people from that perspective. Believe me, it's it's getting harder and harder in society today if you if you are sensitive to that experience where people are just narrowing their their sympathies their compassions down to just who i think belongs to me who is mine my country my religion my creed my belief my, my family god. my god oh my god <laughs> and boy that's just in the complete opposite direction of where we want to be going so don't ever fall into that delusion. And the best way to ensure you don't keep falling into that delusion is stay away from the news. I mean, that news people, I don't know what, they sensationalize everything and plant so many seeds in our mind that create so much separation. So just on a very practical level, you know, don't get too identified. Yogananda made a very interesting comment, especially in America talking about the slave, uh, you know, trade that existed back uh, in the early days of that country's formation. And he said that the white man at that moment who had, you know, who had African-American slaves, in one incarnation, he was so attached to his being white. And in the next incarnation, he was ending up being an African-American, so attached to being an African-American, completely hating the white American. And he says, and that process just continued lifetime after lifetime because you're so attached to your identity and you think the other person's the enemy and you live that experience no matter what body you inhabit, no matter what religion you inhabit, no matter which God you follow, that experience that consciousness of separation only gets stronger so be mindful of that then of course yogananda says his speech padri masha is about east and west was a veiled prophetic guidance it is only now as i write these words how beautiful that i understand the full meaning in the casual intimations he often gave me that someday I would carry India's teachings to America. Very sweet. A little photograph of Bahaduri Mahashaya of the levitating saint. You can just see that noble posture. The His eyes. Eyes just completely uplifted. Spine, Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Then Yogananda asks him, Maharishi, I wish you would write a book on yoga for the benefit of the world. And again, his answer perfect cutting through <laughs> anything i am training disciples 
and they and their students will be living volumes proof against the natural disintegrations of time and the unnatural interpretations of the critics. Isn't that just fabulous? I'm training disciples and they and their students will be the volumes. They will be the living example of yoga that will benefit the world. And this again is so appropriate for us. Become that disciple who embodies the wisdom of the Guru, not just who can parrot the wisdom of the Guru, who can read the wisdom of the saints, but who becomes that wisdom. Because that wisdom within us does not then lose power, does not get corrupted, does not get misinterpreted. I mean, look at the scriptures today. Thousands of commentaries, different ways to look at them, all talking about this is the only way, this is the best way. I have found out the real secret to all these scriptures. And each of them trying to trump the other, each of them saying some other scripture is not good enough, as good as this one. I mean, just time disintegrates it all. Time fades our own memories. I mean, I can't even remember what I ate for <laughs> breakfast yesterday. I don't even remember if I had breakfast yesterday. And so the same with these words put to paper. After a while, they start to lose magnetism. And it's the saints who have to come again and again as living representatives of these books, of these scriptures, who enliven them once again. And that becomes our responsibility as well. Become that perfect disciple who embodies the Guru's teachings. I was now thinking that if for a Guru to make of his disciples or see his disciples as his greatest legacy, I was thinking what about if parents could have the same sense of responsibility mm. towards their children. Because nowadays, I mean, kids, children are really the future of the world. And the kind of education they receive, the kind of spiritual principles that they are being taught to them, and the kind of concepts that they can absorb from their parents is really one of the most important things we could and we should start really thinking about it. Don't be so concerned about what are you going to buy to your kid so he can be happy, what kind of school you are going to put him in, what kind of party he needs to have in order to make him happy or, you know, whatever we give importance and priority, let's start shifting and, and making a priority. What kind of values are we giving to our children and consider ourselves not just gurus of our children and they are our disciples, but developing the responsibility that takes to train don't even look at your children as children but souls that have chosen to be with you and god 
has given you the responsibility to make sure that these souls keep evolving and eventually this could be the greatest legacy that you can live into this world children people souls that will be able to make a difference in the future people who will will be able to be kind and a sense of unity and cooperation with one another people who will know what's right of what's wrong and we need to help them and for you parents take this as your greatest responsibility and your greatest privilege let your legacy be wonderful kids that will be able to move the world if need be like these saints uh, do with all of us lovely thought this evening bahaduri mahashaya was expounding various philosophical points connected to the life of mirabai we know mirabai but here for those who don't a medieval rajputani princess who abandoned her court life to seek the company of sadhus he tells the story of one great sanyasi who refused to receive mirabai because she was a woman but her reply to him brought him humbly to her feet and she said to this man who refused this sadhu who refused to receive her or she said to his disciple because the sadhu wouldn't come tell your master that i did not know there was any male in the universe save god are we not all females before him such another beautiful thought but here she's talking about a, a deeper concept other than male and female and yogananda puts this in parenthesis the scriptural conception of the lord as the only positive creative principle and his creation being not but a passive maya so we know that we have the concept of purusha and we have the concept of maya purusha is represented as the masculine principle maya is represented as a feminine principle has nothing to do with male or female as we see gender but the masculine energy is much more outward and the feminine energy is much more receptive more receiving and it is our job in that particular way to see ourselves as the feminine energy with respect to god because we're receiving god and that's really why today especially in kali yuga it was much more the masculine energy was much more established the patriarchy and so the connection to god was about pleasing him that he's a judge out of fear that we have to serve him Brave a lot of him. rituals you have to bribe him bribe him <laughs> a lot of rituals need to be done but as we come into dwapara yoga where energy is becoming more and more the underlying reality of everything now our own relationship to the divine has to shift and this is not for women this is for all of us to start becoming more feminine in our relationship to god and also in many ways to the world because that balance of overtly masculine energy has now to be naturally balanced 
with a more feminine energy entering in. And we see this. We see in, in its outward form, we see it as women rising to, you know, higher positions of authority in, in every particular uh, scope of life. And the more we see that, in fact, the more the world will be brought into a more feminine energy. And But each of us, especially males, we need to get accustomed to that idea inwardly first. Ah, this is my relationship to God. My relationship to God is to receive Him. And before Him, as Mirabai so beautifully puts it, we are all females. I want to read this poem that Yogananda puts here, a composition of Mirabai's. It's, it's beautiful, it's, it's so deep, and it's just... Um, it summarizes perfectly what we've been talking about so far. <clears throat> this is translated into English, of course. If by bathing daily, God could be realized, sooner would I be a whale in the deep. Again, outward ritual. If by eating roots and fruits, he could be known, gladly would I choose the form of a goat. If the counting of rosaries uncovered him, I would say my prayers on mammoth beads. If bowing before stone images unveiled him, a flinty mountain I would humbly worship. If by drinking milk the Lord could be imbibed, many calves and children would know him. If abandoning one's wife would summon God, would not thousands be eunuchs? Mirabai knows that to find the Divine One, the only indispensable is love. And again, what Badri Mashaya was saying before, do you have Anubhav? Do you have actual love for God? Do you experience God's love? Or are you just mimicking what it ought to look like? when you practice your techniques. So remember, here again, Mirabai is not condemning anything. She's of course not saying we should not bathe daily <laughs> and we should not eat fruits and vegetables. No, she's saying, don't give all your power and attention to those outward aspects. They are just tools, just aids. The only indispensable is love. Anything you want to say? Say if we can finish. Yeah, I want to just talk a little bit about this. I think we'll finish. We'll mm -hmm. go fast. <laughs> Several students, again, just very, you know, when Yogananda is describing these little moments, and then he'll just give a little bit of a hint of, of the energy behind those moments. So he says here, Several students put rupees in Badari Mahashaya's slippers, which lay at his feet. This respectful offering, customary in India, indicates that the disciple places his material goods at the Guru's feet. Now that's an important attitude and awareness to have. See, we go to temples, we give a donation at our center, we always encourage, you know, please, I mean, just on a practical level to support us, but more so because this attitude is very important to develop, that I place my material goods at the Guru's feet. Then and only then are you ever going to be able to detach yourself from the things that you possess, from the people, from world itself, and of course from money, which is naturally one of the biggest draws. Yogananda called it, in fact, 
the biggest delusion because from money comes the other lower delusions of power of fame, fame of uh, you know Wine, overindulgence and, and such so it's important to realize and then he says very beautifully very softly grateful friends are the lord in this guys looking after his own which means to the saints we are grateful friends who god is using to support these the mission of the saints when yogananda went to america this concept of supporting a guru supporting a saint didn't exist and he had to really befriend his disciples until they understood that in that friendship they were being used as god's channels in supporting yogananda's world wide mission and so each of you think in your own way what is it to whom will you be this grateful friend whose work of the divine are you going to support and then support it and place your material goods at the feet of the divine in that form and see the freedom and the power that comes from that act from that attitude more than that yeah. act do you want to continue no i think you can and i can follow up okay one of padri masha's disciples says continuing on the vein of money master you are wonderful you have renounced riches and comforts to see god and to teach us wisdom so it was well known that baduri masha came from a very well to do family and that he walked away from all his family wealth from all his inheritance single mindedly entering onto the yogic path and then baduri masha again sweetly very wittingly not at all accepting this false praise <laughs> he says you are reversing the case i have left a few paltry rupees a few petty pleasures for a cosmic empire of endless bliss how then have i denied myself anything i know the joy of sharing that treasure is that a sacrifice the short-sighted worldly folk are verily the real renunciates they relinquish an unparalleled divine possession for a poor handful of earthly toys in so powerful i mean just completely changing the perspective that we have on renunciation on the sacrifice of worldly pleasures and just turning it on its head and saying i'm the renunciate bhai you are the renunciate is is it to renounce 1 rupee so that i can get 1000 rupees that's no renunciation so is it to renounce worldly pleasures to receive god's endless bliss that is no renunciation we are the renunciates <laughs> we're running after these temporal little petty pleasures that don't last that actually give us no fulfillment that eventually entangle us in more and more suffering and we let go of all the bliss that awaits us and then we think these saints are the renunciates just how fabulous an understanding of true renunciation and in fact not just about the concept of renunciation i love the way saints flip the coin also in terms how helps 
how they help us to understand the little thing of our lives versus the greater reality. So through this, he's just giving these two perspective, per perspectives of how tiny our perception about our life is and how big is that larger reality that we have not yet even realized that exists. So I love how he uses the concept of renunciation, but also in a more subtle way of how we think our lives are the most important <laughs> thing right now going on and nothing else matters. And he let let us let's us say he explains <laughs> he breaks <laughs> he breaks really how insignificant you know the sense of I my things my life my people are in comparison with with what is expected for us to explore in this larger universe I, I just love that. He goes on then to say, the divine order arranges our future more wisely than any insurance company. The world is full of uneasy believers in an outward security. Such precise words. The world is full of uneasy believers in any outward security. Us so-called believers, us so-called have complete faith in God. We love God with every iota of our strength. And oh, wait, 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 don't take this away from me. Oh, no, when are you going to give me more money? When I are you going like to that. fulfill all my desires? <laughs> so us uneasy believers, we're just caught up in outward security. We're not yet uh, firmly situated in God's presence and it will come I mean we don't need to beat ourselves for that reason we're not there yet we're on the way the journey is continues but don't fool yourself at the same time keep that faith strong do what you can don't worry about those little desires that naturally crop up but be humble knowing that those desires exist and don't pretend that your faith is any more than just an affirmation sometimes. Then he says, the one who gave us air and milk from our first breath knows how to provide day by day for his devotees. Again, I love to think, to provide day by day for his devotees. He's not saying he knows how to provide for everyone, which he does know how to provide for everyone. But he's really talking about his devotees. And his devotees are those who know that he will provide for them. You see, knowing God will provide for you makes him actually provide for you. Knowing that he won't provide for you and that it is your job to provide for yourself. And you have to make it happen. And you have to run after everything. And you have to cut corners so that that uh, wisdom, that wealth, that lifestyle will be yours. Well, then you have to do all of that, of course. But when you know, when you're his devotee, then he provides for you day by day. And 
this is not just words this is the experience of not just every saint this is the experience of millions of devotees this is our experience every day of our lives that he does provide he will provide but the moment our faith gets a little shaky then it's like we have to pick up the slack then we do have to provide for ourselves so see where you are put out energy do what's practical commonsensical but always know that it is through him everything is coming to us in the first place final line of this chapter and close it Yogananda then says later on uh, Bhadri Mahasaya moved to a, another space where some devotees of him built him a little hermitage and so he moved away from the little neighborhood that Yogananda lived in and so his visits to him became less and less frequent however before he left for america and we know that's going to come later on and he says i'm getting a little ahead of myself but i must say this about badri mahasaya before he went left he took badri mahasaya's blessings and this is what the saint said to him son go to america take the dignity of ori india for your shield victory is written on your brow the noble distant people will well receive you and we know how well yogananda was received yogananda became the father of yoga to the west because of his presence all spirituality began in earnest there have been others i don't want to downplay anybody else's role don't want to pick my guru up on a pedestal for no reason but that's been his particular role he was well received and he planted the seeds that today have grown to become huge trees the idea of spirituality of meditation of yoga hatha yoga is in certain ways stronger in the west now than even in our own country and that's a very interesting fact up till now what's been happening is our influence in to, in in our world especially in the east has been coming west to east we're far more influenced by the west today we may not believe so we may think we are very true to our traditions and such and such but a lot our thought processes the uh, information we consume our marketing our advertising all ways of um, economies are our government our clothes they're all western influenced yet this is one influence that yogananda and other saints took over to the west and now which is changing the world in just amazing ways and again it becomes those of us who are indian it is a great matter of pride for us as he says take the dignity of india as your shield and we should remember as much as we can where we come from what our true uh, inheritance is what our heritage is and it's not um, just knowledge it is the experience of god and it is that experience that we must share with everyone alike i was thinking how lucky yogananda was to have so many saints in his neighborhood and if we really trust that god has 
planted <laughs> his children in the right soils, let's assume that he has done exactly the same with us. Mm -hmm. And it would be fun for us to start seeing our neighborhood where we are living as a wonderful um, opportunity and chance to see why God has placed us here and what we have not yet explored. It would be fun to, <clears throat> when the lockdown, uh, lockdown ends, perhaps in the next few days or in a week, to start praying to the divine, to start asking Babaji, the great saints, whoever, you know, the universe, show me, send me to whatever place in this neighborhood has something to offer me spiritually. Bring me to that person, uh, magnetize to me that specific encounter or that specific word, words that are going to come to me through that person that lives in my neighborhood. And make of your life really an adventure as Yogananda's life was. Because I think that there is a reason why we are living in this building, in this neighborhood. So let's expand our sympathies and open ourselves to be guided to the right people, the right places, the right shops, even in the neighborhood that have a message for us. And we don't need to go anywhere else as Yogananda didn't have to leave his neighborhood to have that God experience. So we don't know if we have that enough good karma yeah. to attract those kind of experiences, but perhaps we do. And the problem has been so far until this point that we have not been paying attention. So why not? to now give more attention to those messages and to those things that God is constantly sending to us. Many blessings. <laughs>